1: to a podcast from the Word.
0: Traditionally, the way that we used to start Word podcasts back in the day was we'd just start talking and then Fraser, who was usually the engineer at that time, would just start recording and then we'd, we'd fade it up. And, uh, and you I would think magically used find
1: it. you would magically find that you were
0: suddenly joining a conversation. That you see, appears and think, been going on indefinitely. And, and that's what we used to do at the end, pretty much, as well. And that at the end, it used to fade away.
1: Again, giving the impression I, that the conversation was going to go on for eternity.
0: Which, as we're now proving, it has been going it on has. for eternity. <laughs> and it's returning uh, through the magic of uh, of clean feed. The Word Podcast. Walking the digital dog since 2007. We, Mark and Ellen and I, who started off recording this podcast many, many years ago, I I shudder to think how many years ago, long before the vogue for podcasting, we used to record Fifteen years with ago, 18, at least I would have thought. Um, Something like that, yeah. We used to do it with two po- uh, two cocoa tins and a bit of string, didn't we? We used to, that was the joke. <laughs> All our references, I realise, in, in adjacent trees. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All our, all our references kind of take you eventually back to to Richmond Crompton's Just William stories. I think, which you know, I don't think mean anything to un- anybody under the no. age of sixty five. Uh, but anyway, we started off with two cocoa Tens and a bit of string, and now we're we've got a far superior version of that, which is something called clean feed. And so I'm speaking to you from my Luxurious book-lined study in, uh, in North London. And Mark Hill and speaking to I'm us my, from where? Uh, my slightly less luxurious but still book-lined
1: uh, den in, in Chiswick on a very sunny, gorgeous day. looking out the window to the uh,
0: eerily quiet world outside and it, it is, is, in fact, a gorgeous <laughs> spring day. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, and we just thought, partly because we had nothing better to do, uh, that we ought to uh, bring you up to date with with what's going on in, in word in your ear word podcast land, in in the light of the current unpleasantness. Um, <laughs> I love that expression. <laughs> the unpleasantness. Um, yeah, it's good. Anyway, there's loads of wartime metaphors being you know naturally people are naturally reaching for them aren't they? You know, I've started using the expression for the duration. Yeah, for the duration. Which is people, what one. people used to say during the Second World War, didn't they? Well, I'm just doing this for, for the duration. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, so obviously, the first thing uh, we had to cancel the upcoming word in your ear with Paul Gorman talking about his Malcolm McLaren book, which is uh, very sad that we had to do that. But obviously, it goes without saying we had to do that. And we've refunded people's money, and I hope that's all worked out fine. And we will you know, maybe we'll reschedule at some point. In the future, um, but we just uh, we just we've been looking at the whole archive of the podcast uh, and thinking it could do with a bit of a spring clean. Haven't we thought that, Mark? That's absolutely. Well, we have time, don't we? We do have time. The we one resource time. we all have <laughs> we is absolutely immeasurable amount of time. So we're going to do a certain amount of that, and uh, you're probably wondering. Dear listener, how you could help in this process? Well, fear not, because there are a couple of ways that you could you could help us, and you could use the time that you have on your hands to help us. Um, I realise we don't we don't say this often enough when we do the word in your ear recordings uh, in Islington, um, because we're we're very involved with you know the occasion and so forth. But we do really appreciate it when people uh, post some kind of favorable comment about the podcast on uh, on iTunes or anywhere else appropriate, because you know that kind of thing it really counts. And you have probably there have probably been occasions in the past when you thought, "I must get round to doing that." Well, now is the time. Now's your think- chance. <laughs> Now, gentlemen, you write a really long comment, a really glowing comment. You know, please go into as much detail as you want. You've got nothing better to do. Uh, get on and do that and we would really appreciate it if you did. uh... And also
1: tell us which ones that you like, recommend ones that you've, from our vast collection, our backlog of podcasts that you really like. I mean, people who come to the event in Islington are always saying it's really touching, actually. There are people who've listened to every single one, aren't they? There were two people, I think, who've listened to every single one in chronological order. and They're always saying, oh, you must hear the Tom Dolby one or you must hear the Martin Fry or the Claire Grogan or the Danny Baker or whatever. So, you know, just tell us which ones you like what number they are, and
0: recommend them. You know, it reminds me of the great old line that Bette Midler used to use all the time. Whenever she got really uh, fulsome applause, she used to wait until it died down, and then she'd say, my, you people must be starved for entertainment. That's right! <laughs> <laughs> It's a great
1: line. It's a great it line. It is, as, um, but it's but very I to, touchy. And I, I think I think a lot of people live, listen abroad. Actually, lots of people listen abroad, and they, uh, they you know they just like the sound of of English voices talking about the Clash and various cultural references that they can key into. It's do you remember nostalgia.
0: that? Guy, do you remember that guy who got in touch absolutely years ago? Um, Anyone, we do appreciate really hearing from anybody about how they've. Listen to the word podcast, or you know what they particularly like about it. Do you remember that guy who got in touch? Who was? Um, I always had a vision of him on the bridge of some massive super tanker, which was ploughing <laughs> through the South China Sea in the middle of the night. You know, he was the only person on the on watch, and he would be listening to. The word podcast, while you know directing this massive craft through (laughs) difficult waters, hopefully not being too severely distracted. I just love the idea of that. You know, listening to these guys just burbling on endlessly. In the fashion cupboard back at, back at the back of the office. So, you know, if, you, if you've gone through anything uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and anything struck you about the, the old podcast, please do get in touch uh, and tell us the, the email. And uh, forgive me, this is a little bit of a complicated email, but, you know, it is uh, W I Y E, which stands for word in your ear, W I Y E dot. London at gmail.com that address again as they say on the radio wIYe dot London at gmail.com uh, and if you didn't catch that I think we're going to try and uh, include um, a link there in, in the in the show notes accompanying accompanying this podcast the word podcast it passes the time. Anyway, Mark, I'm going to ask you a question. With yeah, at the risk of sounding like a pervert, what are you wearing? What am I wearing?
1: <laughs> I'm not. If that's what you think, I'm not in a kind of a stained T-shirt with a kind of old pair of boxer shorts on. No, I'm fully dressed. I'm wearing a green cotton shirt and a pair of jeans and, and, and some shoes. And you know, I'm, uh, I'm functioning as normal. I mean, I guess half the world probably doesn't get out of their pajamas, do they? I mean, I don't know.
0: Well, I don't Is know. You say, I'm quite, what are you wearing? I'm quite, I'm quite, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing a pair of tracksuit bottoms, actually, but but they're quite smart. Uh, and a sweater and a T-shirt. and uh, But I'm quite used to working from home. Um, and I, I, I'm a great believer... You know, you know Peter Robinson, who you occasionally... Oh, yeah, um, yeah. ...contribute to work. Yeah. Peter Robinson, who's a really good writer. I'm very Terrific writer. Very abreast of... If you want to know what's in the chart this week and why, Peter's the man to tell you. Um, but he used to say that he he didn't think it was right to work at home unless you put proper sh- proper shoes and socks on. I think because. that's right.
1: There's a, there's a psychology. A lot of freelancers will tell you that that you must get out of your pajamas or your nightie or whatever. You can't make business calls when still wearing a dressing gown. It's just you're not in the right kind of psych- psychological headspace.
0: I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. um
1: so but it's funny, because people all... like you and I, have, if, if people who have if done a lot of writing at home and been at home and written books and things like that, the whole idea of self-isolating is not a new thing at all. We're quite used to it, aren't we? Everyone else is, is sort of, you, know, you meet when you're wandering around the block on the rare occasions you're allowed to do that now. They're all a bit sort of alarmed about being at home. But we've been, well, there, we've been there for years, Dave, haven't we? I are pros. I
0: mean, it's been very weird for me the last few months because I've been completing a book and uh, all the time you're working on the book all you're reading is pretty much towards the book, you know, and all you're thinking about yeah. every day is what you've got to do, and, uh, and you know, you're, you're ploughing towards a deadline which you're determined to meet and so forth. And so during that time, which kind of took me, you know, either side of Christmas, you know, November, December, January, all through that time I was thinking one thing, which, would be, which was when this is over, when I've got this done, I'll be able to, to read books and spend a bit of time listening to records. I never dreamed And what dreamed... joy. That time is here. <laughs> I never dreamed it would arrive in this particular show. In this
1: fashion. I know, I know. So it's compulsory. You know,
0: yeah. So what are you reading? What have you been... Have you been reading well, reading. I've just been reading Krakatoa by Simon Winchester, which is fantastic. Oh, I read that years ago. Oh, my I, Lord, it's
1: fantastic. I think I must have read it years ago. So a couple of really amazing... It's a book about, as you, you'll remember, it's a book about the, the volcanic explosion of 1883. And there's two extraordinary things. Well, there's so many extraordinary things. One is that, that the Morse code has just been invented and a, a cable has been laid across the Atlantic. And so when Krakatoa, uh, yeah, under, sorry, across, under the Atlantic. And so when the, the volcano erupted, the news of Krakatoa spread across the world within 24 hours because of Morse code and because of, you know, it could get to America. And it was the first kind of international news story that was immediate. It's really interesting that. So the moment it happened, the whole world knew about it. And the other extraordinary thing is, is is that is that they had um, all these extraordinary sunsets, these vivid red sunsets. Do you Remember, because all this kind of uh, you know cloud and effluent had gone so high up into the into, into the strata of the atmosphere, and it caught the setting sun, and it, it made these vivid pink and red sunsets all over the world. And there's that's that's why the colour of Monks' um, The Scream is that you know that painting. Well, if you look at the back, yes, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, he remembers those sunsets that happened all over the world, all over America, people, those extraordinary sunsets. It's an it's absolutely amazing book. I've been rereading bits of uh, Broken Greek by, by Peter, Pete Perfides, too, which is so yeah. funny, which we did a yeah. podcast yeah. on recently. Him we meeting did. the Baron knights. It's a great moment. <laughs> and uh, we've started doing a thing with, it, with our old pals across the road where we're trying to watch movies simultaneously and then talk about them afterwards on Zoom. This is the new thing. So we can't actually watch the films together, but we can watch them in the same time and then discuss them. And I've been listening to the Adam Buxton podcast. I don't know if you know those. Those are, those are absolutely brilliant. Adam Buxton, who prefaces whoever he's going to talk to with a little ramble across the, I think, Norfolk countryside with his dog, describing the person he's going to talk to. There's a great one with Chris Morris, two-parter. Great one with Paul Whitehouse. And oh, I, I heard And the, the best person- of a lot is the... Lou- Louis If anybody's never heard the uh, the Adam Buxton podcast, listen to the one with Louis Theroux, where he starts singing, "Yes, sir, I can boogie," and it's just—I think it's genuinely one of the fun- funniest things I have ever heard in my life. Super, very. Good. And I've been listening to the Dylan's Traveling Through a lot, which is great. Which is the new—sorry, uh, this is the new—the uh, new, new one from the bootleg series with his John Wesley Harding outtakes.
0: That is fantastic.
1: What about you? Anyway, what have you been? What have you been on?
0: It's funny you should talk about uh, a crack Simon Winchester. Because I, yeah, I did read that years ago. I I just dig it out. And um, but my favourite Simon Winchester, which I do heartily recommend to anybody, is the Surgeon of Crowthorne. Oh, that's phenomenal! And if read the opening, the introduction of the Surgeon of Crowthorne, it's the best introduction to any non-fiction book I've ever read. I won't I won't attempt to do it here. But if you if you have a copy, oh, well, I hope you have a copy. You know, if you're somewhere, I don't know, it's probably on Amazon Kindle or something like that. It's absolutely fantastic. It's it's subtitled. I think it's subtitled "A Tale of Murder, Madness, and the Oxford English Dictionary." That's right. That's right. Incredible a book. End. Now, I've well, been, what have you been I've listening been, to? I've been listening to. Um, Well, I, you know, I wrote my, I'm going to plug my book actually. My book, A Fabulous Creation, which is about the LP record, um, is coming out in paperback next week. And, uh, but one of the things I I say in that book towards the end of it is um, is that it's very difficult to have the LP experience in this day and age, because you can have all the equipment and you can have the records and you can go and buy yourself a record deck and all that stuff. Um, But if you're going to put an LP on, you first of all have to persuade yourself that you have nothing better to do for the next 35 or 40 minutes. And and that's the thing that I think people have difficulty with nowadays. Well, in the current situation, it could be... (laughs) It could be advantageous. To, the habit of listening to an LP might be just the ticket to kind of occupy your day in, you know, 35, 40-minute slots, you know. So I've been um, I've been playing a lot of LPs, that, you know, by LPs I mean actual records, and um, I actually started posting on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram at dheppworth, I think. Um... And I post one a day. One oh, every day. morning. I've seen morning, them; they're brilliant. Yeah, and uh, with a little comment about them, and uh, and people have really taken to this. You know, so people say, "Oh well, I'm, I'm going to get that out." You know. So the the record that's actually hit the spot most with me recently, the single track, because I was I was talking to Alex Gold um, about this, is uh, a song, a Ronnie Lane song called Annie. Which is on a um, on a record he made with Pete Townsend called Rough Mix. Yeah, and it's just an absolutely beautiful it. plaintive love song. A dear God, Ronnie Lane is one of those people that the more time goes on, the greater I think he was. You know what I mean? I probably didn't appreciate him at the time when he was making these records, the Slim Chance records in the in the seventies and so forth. And now I, I I play these records all the time. But anyway, it's a really extraordinary life, doesn't he? Oh yeah, the yeah.
1: moment where he meets he meets a girl, isn't it? They kind of fall instantly in love and kind of elope together, isn't you know? it? I'm not sure, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm mistaken. Think there's a gypsy caravan involved. But
0: well, was, he like, no, he left the Faces, who at the time were one of the biggest groups in the world, and uh, and went off and decided he was going to tour in a gypsy caravan. That's right. How do you think that turned out, readers? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he but anyway, successful. we're still talking about made, it now. He made some great records. And, and the other thing, the other record, actually the record of the week, <laughs> and I've got, I'm looking at the cover right now because it came out 50 years ago, uh, just about this time, is Joni Mitchell's Ladies of the Canyon. What a fantastic record. Uh, <laughs> of course, all Joni Mitchell records, particularly from this time, are all absolutely extraordinary. And, um, and I was thinking about this because uh, this was the year... When Rolling Stone magazine when they did the roundup of the year at the end of nineteen seventy, they described her as I think they said old lady of the year. That's right. <laughs> Which is a rather, you know, disrespectful um way of alluding to the fact that she appeared to have had she- an exciting romantic uh, love life, isn't it? A busy, of... a bu- busy love life with very yeah. well-known, you know, musicians. Yeah. Grand, grand unbelievably nurse, unkind. James T- unbelievably unkind. But uh, you know, I was listening to this record, which of course has got has got you know lots of her best-known songs on here, "Big Yellow Taxis on there, and the "Circle Game" and things like Woodstock's on there. Her version of Woodstock because it was just the year after Woodstock. But uh, you've been listening to it as well, haven't you? Yeah, oh, it's. I think it's an absolutely amazing record. You, you, I, I can remember.
1: here, I think I was fifteen when it came out, and I can remember being astonished by little phrases like "waiting for the walking green." Do you remember that? In, oh, uh, right, yes, Free, yes, yes, yes. Not not understanding what that meant, and also being really amazed by uh, by the fact that she was nobody at that time had ever apologized for their success. Pop musicians were always kind of you know you know they were just trying to. Uh, uh, achieve as much uh, uh, fame and r- riches and notoriety as possible and there she was sort of feeling shrugging and being embarrassed about the fact she was so successful when this guy was playing the clarinet in the street in Paris for free and, and, I, I, and, and the, the opening line to the priest, do you remember that the priest sat in the airport bar he was wearing his father's tie I mean there's so much information in that it's like the opening to a novel this is the woman who, who later on wrote lines as great as on Harry's House and Hissing of Summer Lawns. A helicopter lands on the Pan Am roof like a dragonfly. Like on a, a tomb. dragonfly on a tomb. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and I think, and I got <laughs> sidetracked Wonderful from stuff. listening to the record. To we must come back to the record in a moment. But I got sidetracked actually by going to that clip of her on the Dick Cavett show, which. You can find on YouTube where, uh, you know, she's not been allowed by her manager to go to Woodstock and perform. She's had to stay and do the Dick Cavett show. And Steve Stills and uh, Crosby and the Jefferson Airplane have come back from the battlefront and are reporting on it. And it's extraordinary to watch this sort of terrible kind of uh, expression where she's just so, 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 so miserable that she wasn't able to go. But then wrote the great song about it, having never attended. Yeah, yeah. But they, also, you dancing. sent me a uh, you sent me that fantastic piece in Rolling Stone a review in Rolling Stone, which I was really impressed about because if you think that the music press in Britain at the time, you and I have often talked about that review of Sergeant Pepper in 1967. You know, a piano is much in evidence here, and I smiled at the rhyming of Rita and parking meter. It's a saucy <laughs> song with a jog beat, which will get your toes <laughs> a moving. You know, now that was only a few years before their writing here, the American press about. Um, you know about Ladies of the Canyon with with a real understanding. The the only and, and so much enthusiasm for what she did. An album of departures, overheard conversations, and unquiet triumphs for this hymnal lady who mixes the mingles the random with the particular so effectively. And they, they talk about her enigmatic poetic word journeys. They really really get the measure of her and the technical uh, ability that she had to play. Uh, you know how, how phenomenally accomplished she was, but it's also interesting that they still talk about her in terms of the ladies of folkdom. So it's well, Buckley, they, 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 they also call her, they also call her a chick singer,
0: don't
1: they? A chick singer, yeah, it's a chick, uh, a chick folk singer, that's right. But they they talk about the the women it, 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 as separate from the men. You could just as easily compare her to. Leonard Cohen or Paul Simon or James Taylor or whatever, but they don't. It's it's all about is she better than Buffy sainte Judy no, Collins, or Joan uh, Baez? It's quite interesting, really. Yeah, They're just yeah. in, in their own little sort of area, you know. What so did you think was, of listening to it this? Again?
0: Was, this was the year, also, and I found that and we'll post this link, I think, on the show notes. Uh, when she came over to London and she did a, uh, filmed a BBC kind of special. These used to be made by a guy called Stanley Dorfman for the BBC. And he made, during this period, he made similar programmes with Carol King, with James Taylor, with Neil Young, uh, or Cat Stevens, all the kind of singer-songwriters of the time. And they are all incredibly simple programmes where they just sat in a, in a studio with a small audience of what looked like junior college lecturers, you know, yeah, um, yeah. rather serious young men in kind of cardigans. Of trousers. Yeah, a lot of cardigans. A lot of cord uh, <laughs> cool trousers with, available. Girls with curtains of hair, you know, and yeah. um, and and they just played, and and of course, here's the funny thing that strikes you when you look at these these films, because there was no post-production jiggery-pokery, you know, that's what they did. They sat there and they played. And my God, they were good. <laughs> Incredible. God, she's good. She's unbelievable. You I, I, I couldn't agree more.
1: It's the technical the technical ability. You know, there's a bit where she plays California and she's playing an instrument, which I, I'm fairly sure is called an Appalachian dulcimer. Dulcimer, Incredibly yeah. hard to play. You know her piano playing is phenomenal. The guitar playing—I only discovered interesting pop fact. Well, interesting to me actually. That you know, you know, you never hear, you never hear covers of Joni Mitchell songs. Can you think of anybody who's covered a Joni Mitchell song? Uh, very rarely.
0: Stills a Nash, I suppose. But go on, yeah. Go very,
1: on. very rarely. And I think one of the reasons for that is that they're impossibly hard to play, because she invented a lot of her own chords, and the reason she invented her own chords is because when she was young, she had polio. And her left hand was really affected by that. She found it very hard to play certain chords, so she just worked out different open tunings and different chord structures. And so, you know, her songs—part of the reason they sound so different—is she's not using
0: a kind of musical language that everyone else is using. It's extraordinary to see it. It it's, is. It's really, it's really worth and that. You know, that program is there on YouTube, but also all those other ones. The Neil Young one's really good. The Carol King one's really good. You know, they they were just. They were an exceptional generation of musicians, and what they were doing—they were kind of inventing. You know, nobody had done it before. You know, nobody had made a record like *Ladies of the Canyon* before. You know, you can do it now, but you'll still be harking back to that the shadow template Mitchell. that she established. And um, now, the song that struck out for me on the record <laughs> is *Conversation*, um, which is all about. Fancying this bloke is married, yes. uh, (laughs) And about how how uh, you know his wife only only brings him out for show, you know, and then whisks him away or whatever. And then we say everybody in Laurel Canyon must have been thinking, well, who was that about? You know, who's she got her eye on now? (laughs) It's absolutely. But also, you
1: used to listen to those songs and think that they. I think I'm sure rightly you think that they were they were they were about her real life which I'd never really felt much with people before. I mean, never felt particularly that the Beatles were writing about their own life. You never felt that Bob Dylan was necessarily writing about his own life. He was, in fact, he was being deliberately vague a lot of the time. But, you know, you felt you knew Joni Mitchell so, so intimately from what she told you about, you know, her relationships with, with Well, she with was people.
0: pretty specific about loads of them, wasn't they you, know, yeah. you know, Willie and My Old Man and Our House. Yeah, or Willie or was, was, that, was that... Was that our House is great, you know. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Willie, Willie, Willie's Graham Nash. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the one I've been. I'm listening to today. It'll be, it'll be something different tomorrow. But uh... a, a really fantastic thing that I recommend to anybody who has time on their hands to watch on
1: YouTube is Joni Mitchell doing her version of, of "Me and My Uncle" on the Oscar Brandt show called "Let's Sing Out" in Canada in 1965. Have you ever seen that? It's no, just I don't fun. think I have. Oh, it's amazing. She was 21 years old. Before she was kind of signed and before she was successful. And you can just see how breathtakingly good she is. And it, she's surrounded by all these rather earnest sort of beatnik types with kind of uh, roll-neck sweaters. All just looking up at her in absolute shock and awe. It's really worth it. Just just type in Joni Mitchell, me and my uncle, it's come up, 965. It's superb. Can you believe YouTube? It's just astonishing, isn't it? No, no. It just, it's all there. <laughs> it is literally... Anything, Anything you think you might want to watch is is there.
0: It's Stop. there. It's there. This is a junction in the word podcast. It separates that bit from this next bit. So I've been my reading. I'm 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 um I'm launching myself on uh, a dance to the music of time by Anthony Powell. Oh yeah, which has got a twelve was it eleven novels or whatever, um, which are quite tough, <laughs> but. I'm determined to crack it this time because uh, Andy, Miller, Andy Miller of Backlisted, who uh, who was our guest on the podcast not long ago, and Andy and John really do read an awful lot of books. And I was talking to Andy afterwards. They said, go on, Andy, you read so much. And he said, well, one of the things I do is I kind of supplement them with audio books. And... Um, and so I'll continue listening, you know, while commuting or whatever, I'll listen to the audiobook. So I started listening to the audio book of The Dance to the Music Time, which is read by a fantastic guy called Simon Vance, who's just absolutely amazing. And suddenly, it's amazing how these difficult books open up when somebody reads it to you, you know. And uh, And so you then find a way back in to reading the actual thing. And so... I've I've started doing that, so I'll I'll keep you abreast of how I get on. Really, that's that's a, that's a major challenge. God. <laughs> it's a major challenge. Your wife read it, didn't she? She'd read she it did recently. She told me not long ago that she'd. Uh, she did she'd she read did. it. So I I thought I I should return. Well, I think we've probably we've probably exhausted the uh, that seam uh, for now. But if there's anything you want to tell us, if you if there's anything you want to uh, suggest we should be doing with our time. Anything you want to suggest about the podcast, or, or anything we do, please get in touch. Please, we, Let us know. we'd love to, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'll I'll repeat that uh, email address once again: w i y e dot london at gmail.com, But I uh, hopefully will include uh, a link uh, underneath this podcast, and you'll be able to you'll be able to get in touch that way. But, uh, you know, enjoy the rest of the day. <laughs> yes, do. This podcast was brought to you by the Word.